surprised. Eddie, if I woke up tomorrow morning with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised. Welcome in to the Bro 4 Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. I am your host, the Mayor Jeff Hornacek. This is episode 167. Thank you so much for joining us tonight for the movie discussion. Before we get started, we have to go around and meet the fellow bros. Uh, joining me first is our legal counsel, Ronnie Cycli. Ronnie, I don't have much prepared tonight, so just go ahead and spoil for me what you got for me for Christmas this year. Oh, no, I can't do that. <laughs> it's definitely not, you know, and, you know, I have, like, a car. It's not a car. It's not. Okay. But what is it, though? Oh, it's not a car. No, don't worry about it. If you buy me a car, I don't actually don't know if I can make payments on that. So no, that would just, not just said it's, it's not, not a, car. a car. Not a car. I know. I, I was just thinking about it. No, I know what I'm going to give you for Christmas a hearing aid. There we go. Because I. And a toy car. All right. That voice is the mad scientist, Brian Banner. Banner, uh, on your Christmas list, did you ask for anything to upgrade the lab with this year? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'd like a toaster oven. Maybe a urinal. That'd be nice. Maybe Toast. a toaster oven urinal. I've seen the combo ones at Bed Bath & Beyond, yeah. <laughs> See, we all know I'm just not careful enough I'd end up toasting my dick. Wouldn't be the first How time. short is this funeral? You're Wouldn't right. be the first time. I thought you were say, how short is your dick? I was like, very short. <laughs> yeah. Short <laughs> enough. Shortest this urinal. Don't you hate when you're trying to heat up a buttery biscuit and you accidentally fry your penis? It's like Michael Scott with the uh, George Foreman grill in the mornings. I'm sorry. I like to wake up to the sound of sizzling bacon. Which I realized after I saw that episode, that means he lays raw bacon on it all night. <laughs> just sitting out. And gets up, does it, and goes back to bed. <laughs> all right. If you've not listened to our show before, we start every episode off with the most important thing in any bro's life. And that is chest day. And our chest day topic today is a good old-fashioned bro versus bro. Where we each pick a movie and pit them against each other using the five bro four squad criteria with a neutral third bro judging our arguments for said film, and whichever one is the first to reach three out of the five points wins and is awarded the better film. As you might have noticed from the title of this episode, today we are pitting Jingle All the Way, which I will be defending, versus Christmas with the Cranks, which Brian Banner will be defending. I've been defending this movie since the beginning of the pod, so this is nothing new. That's true. You're well-versed here. Uh, and Ronnie Cycli, being the actual practicing attorney here, we thought it would be unfair for him to get to argue with one of us. So he will be our judge. And Ronnie, before we get into it, I guess, tell the people at home, what, if any, relationship do you have to either of these films? Just so, so they know any inherent bias you might have. Yeah, I'm excited about this. I know nothing about Christmas with the Cranks. I mean, literally nothing. I've heard some of the tidbits that... Banner is said on the pod. I mean, usually I'm ignoring him like always, but I've heard him make some mumbles about it. But other than that, um, this is going to be completely blind and completely fair. So I'm excited about it. Jingle all the way. You know, who hasn't seen it? it you know, every every kid who grew up in the 90s. But I can tell you it's a movie I'm not like watching all the time. It's probably been a good decade since I've watched that movie, um, at least sober. So uh, I, was saying, yeah. I know you're lying because you're on the movie. I was going to say, didn't we do a commentary on this? I was drunk. 
okay. That's the yeah. one where we ordered Domino's and the Domino's guy like came to my apartment. Is that what? Yes, I is it that one or is that on Aladdin? Oh, that was Aladdin. It was the same night though. If it was I was the same, same night, I think. Yeah. It's a classic double bill. Yeah, definitely can't say I recall that movie exactly sober. So I'm excited about both of these arguments. Perfect. Well, let's dive impartial. Thank you. That's the integrity is the most important thing. All we pass for. Let's dive right into it. The first category where Banner and I will be competing for the point to be awarded by Cycli is the acting and the cast. Banner, I will let you go first. And again, you are defending Christmas with the Cranks. All right. So first, top of the top of the list. This is Tim Allen. 2004. You know, coming fresh off of. Uh, uh, home Improvement. This is him just doing his thing, man. If you want classic Tim Allen just yelling at Spike from Malcolm in the Middle, this is the movie for you. Uh, backing him, we have Jamie Lee Curtis, Dan Aykroyd, Cheech, and uh, my personal favorite, Gary Busey's son, Jake. Can you say your Gary personal Busey's son? Ferret? Yeah, yeah, he's a ferret. No, favorite. I'm pretty sure you said ferret, but okay. I actually like Jake Busey. I think he's great. No, I wasn't Does he even play in the movie again though. Uh, I believe he's one of the cops. Yeah, yeah, he's the cop. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Agents of Shield alum. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So again, you've got just classic comedy beats all the all the way through top to bottom, and uh, yeah, this is this is. Probably one of the best Christmas, just goofy, silly Christmas performances you're ever going to see top to bottom. Okay, well, it's tough for you to defend Christmas with the Cranks when, as we all know, it's not even Tim Allen's best uh, Christmas time based movie. Um, Although I do like him in it. So the cast of Jingle All the Way, as we know, this is how I like my Arnold who is supposed to be playing a man named Howard Langston, who was a mattress salesman. And don't forget, you're my number one customer. You're my number one customer. And he has a non-Austrian child as well with Rita Wilson, of course, the wife of of, uh, Tom Hanks. But where Jingle All the Way really excels are the ancillary characters. First off, the late Phil Hartman is an absolute scene stealer in this movie as Ted, the the neighbor who is trying to get with Howard's wife and has probably, based on some uh, inferences to be made from the, the plot, probably banged every mother in the neighborhood already. So Phil Hartman is an absolute scene stealer. Of course, Sinbad. I think the perfect amount of Sinbad in this movie, and Sinbad had a nice little run there in the mid-90s with First Kid and this, where... Uh, he was definitely in the zeitgeist and was a pretty solid comedic actor. And then, lest we forget the last two, uh, Jim Belushi, although he's billed as James Belushi, playing the mall Santa who's trying to shake down <laughs> Howard, and leads to what I'm going to lead get into as my favorite scene in the film. And then, introducing the world to Jake Lloyd. Hashtag free Jake. Hashtag my Anakin. Now, I'm, I was rewatching this movie this week in preparation for this, and I have to say, even at the curve with which we grade child acting performances, he is horrendous in this movie. Uh, but again, Just how I like my Jake Lloyd. 
correct. He actually got way better between this and Phantom Menace, which really just makes me think, what the f- I know. <laughs> which really just makes me think, what did George Lucas see in this to be like, yeah, give me Jack Lloyd. So again, the strength here, if you're thinking like, why would I give cast to Jingle all the way? I hate Arnold Schwarzenegger. I agree. I think he's probably the fifth best part of this movie in terms of performances. Appreciate both of those arguments. Those were a lot of heart in, in those. Um, I hate that you're a lawyer because you were so fucking hard to read. You know, I, I just want to keep it fair, and I, I appreciate that. What you have going for you, Banner, here is is that Tim Allen, I think, is the leader of a group of, like, level B actors. But it's all level B actors, right? So, like, you can have the average consistent and and make a good movie out of it. So I appreciate that. But unfortunately for you, I'm going to have to go with Jingle all the way here because you're talking about mid 90s Arnold, which is I mean, he was all over the place doing everything. He was as famous as it gets. He carries anything. He was doing Terminator. He was doing Kindergarten Cop. I mean, the range on the guy who literally has no range is quite impressive. Right. And then you get kind of a little when you have to look at it from the 90s a lot of these actors haven't panned out like you said sinbad but at the time these people were pretty big like this movie had some big names on it so and then you obviously go with jake my movie still has big names on it i mean phil hartman man like you can't he's incredible he's an icon um obviously you know jake lloyd whatever happened with that let's you know that's something else but again with star wars coming a year later uh or two years later whatever it was um I think I'm going to have to go jingle all the way here. It, it just it just an overall consistency in the cast is is slightly better than the consistency of Christmas with the Cranks. Great choice. Wow. All right. Terrible decision. Uh, jingle all the way up one nothing into our second point, which is the story or the plot. I'll go for We'll just keep flipping it. Right. I'll go first Not for this yep. one. Yep. According to IMDb, the plot for Jingle All the Way is a father vows to get his son a Turbo Man action figure for Christmas. However, every store is sold out of them, and he must travel all over town and compete with everybody else in order to find one. Now, I will be fully honest when I say that I think Christmas with the Cranks, actually as far as the holiday movie goes, has a more unique template in terms of a narrative. But what Jingle All the Way does for me with the hijinks ensue from a parent forgetting to get the last-minute present. I think at the time was especially poignant. I mean, this was right around when Furby was big, Tickle Me Elmo was big, um, Tamagotchis were selling out everywhere. So, the and this was pre-internet where you couldn't like see where something was available or order it online. So, I think this sort of hit that sweet spot of parents like sort of having a harrowing uh, realization that this is something that could be them. And it was before that plot trope sort of got so oversaturated that you were like, really, like we're doing this again for a holiday movie. So while now it's not as original and it's a much more inundated in terms of those type of Christmas movies, I think at the time, my argument for Jingle All the Way's story and plot was it was one of the first ones to really go for this and pull it off. I think pulling it off is a little bit of a stretch. Um Cycling, look, what's the best part of the holidays? Getting together with your family, right? What's the worst part of the holidays? Getting Getting together together with your family, family. right? (laughs) Oh, that was good. Isn't it just the dream to just go away and have a nice holiday where the only thing you have to worry about is what you're going to drink next? 
Well, I got the story for you. Okay. This is a story. This is a story about a mother and father who are uh, parents to a single child, one child, who tells them, I'm not coming home from Christmas. This is the first year I'm not coming home for Christmas. Every year they just go balls out for Christmas. Mom and dad decide, you know what? We're not going to do that this year. We don't have any reason. Daughter's not coming home. Let's get away. And next thing you know, daughter is coming home. And the scramble to get the holidays to go off without a hitch are underway. Uh, let me ask you another thing, Cycle. You are, in fact, a lawyer, correct? That is correct. Banner, you, now, are, you are on point. He's you, giving yes momentum is what he's doing. I know you, you read books sometimes. I and have read a book or two. Yep. Being that you're a lawyer and you read books, what's one of the more popular law writers uh, as far as fiction goes? Uh, Grishman. Grisham? You hit, you hit the nail on the head. What if I told you the story was based off of a book that he wrote? Unbelievable. You you just are getting me this round. I just, I don't know what it is, but it's feeling very wanted it reek, and needed. It reeks of desperation. <laughs> just go ahead and, uh, just go ahead and give me the point. Let's move on to best scene. Well, I appreciate that argument. And I honestly, I needed that boost today. So they're filling me up. Um, all right. I, I, I like both of those arguments. I think they're both really strong. Here's the thing about Jingle All the Way, and, and, and Jeff kind of alluded to it, like the Furbies, Tickle Me Elmos. That movie was on point for the time that Jingle All the Way came out. But I think if you watch it new, freshly, this, the struggle with it is we don't really have that issue so much so for kids anymore. At least kids it's watching it, we just order thing on Amazon. A consistent story in Christmas is always family issues. Um, and I think Banner made a good argument there about that's something that's always going to happen when you have a child coming home for Christmas and you have plans you have to rearrange. That just happened to me for Thanksgiving is, you know, we thought we had some plans and, and all of a sudden we had to shuffle and, and go somewhere completely different. So just for that alone, I, I think you did a really good job. But at, the only issue is Jingle All the Way only hits for that time. So, Banner, I'm going to award you the point. Yeah, that's a tough one for me to argue. Because yeah. kids now are like, why don't you just order it online? Like, Because you, you couldn't. <laughs> Dad, I just ordered it on Prime, you idiot. It, it's actually going to be here in 10 minutes. It was a Cyber Monday deal, Dad. Dumbass. All right, best scene. It's tied at one-to-one as uh, Jingle All the Way gets the acting and cast. And then, of course, Christmas with the Cranks gets the story. Banner, what's your best scene in Christmas with the Cranks? So... Best scene. There is a scene in this movie, and I don't want to. I'm I'm not, I'm kind of playing with one hand tied behind my back because I don't want to spoil anything. Knowing Cycle has not spoil away. Spoil. But away. there is a scene in this movie where Tim Allen uh, decides to steal a Christmas tree, puts it on a Red Rider wagon, and wheels it down the street to his house. And hilarity ensues. The people watching him. What happens? Just think of Tim Allen wheeling a full-blown 10-foot tinsel and everything Christmas tree down the road and trying to shove that bitch through his front door. I think something's lost in translation. <laughs> yeah, it's – I'm kind of punting <laughs> I mean, on this one. Well, my best scene in Jingle All the Way – I mean, I'll, I will uh, leave a little bit more to the imagination because I think just envisioning this in and of itself is pretty hilarious – Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting a warehouse full of 
crooked con men Santa Clauses, capped off by fighting the big show wrestler dressed as Santa Claus, who happens to punch a little person Santa Claus and with a horrible wire stunt sends that little person Santa Claus flying across a warehouse into a cardboard box. And then said warehouse is raided by a SWAT team. That's my best scene. It, it's an incredible, place. just wacky comparison of these. Like, you know, these are such. <laughs> there's, hearing, there's such bo- different movies. Hearing both of these scenes, if I, I mean, just because I've seen the Jingle Away scene doesn't mean I can't appreciate. How oh, sorry, I do need to add. There is a ninja Santa Claus that has of candy course. cane nunchucks. Well, yes. I mean, that needs yeah. to be assumed here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is tough because I don't know if either of these stand out um, in either way. And <sighs> Banner, I think I'm gonna go have to lean to you. Oh my! Because God. I'm sorry to say this, and you're you you think your hand was tied behind your back. This is where it's helping you. I have to only imagine that this scene is at Pete Tim Allen comedy. Um, and I haven't seen it. And, and so your, your description is providing a word, in, you know, picture in my head. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing at some of the things that are happening. I don't know if that's actually what's happening. Unfortunately, I see. No, it's definitely what's happening. Seen, yeah, yeah, I've seen the scene. Happening. And while it is, is, it is a fun scene. It just, you know, I wouldn't say I, it, it is what I remember most of Jingle All the Way. So I, I Congratulations, Banner. You you got a, you you thought you were behind, but you know I'm going to give it to you on this one. Wow. wow. All right, Christmas with the Cranks is up two to one, and now we go into the impact of these movies, which probably the weakest impact battle we've ever had on a bro. <laughs> do not do not sell yourself short. <clears throat> Here's what I'll say about Jingle All the Way. You can come at me with this. To me, this is my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I know Terminator is a better film and we have a lot of fun with Batman and Robin, you know, and obviously a ton of action movies of the eighties, but seeing him try to play Howard Blankston, a mattress salesman is like sort of the quintessential. It's like his career comes full circle at this moment. I think this is in a lot of people's every other year, Christmas holiday movie rotation as well as far as impact. And then, maybe this is overstating it, but again, this gave us Jake Lloyd. This is the introduction of the kid that played Anakin Skywalker, which, Cycli, I know you, actually all three of us here are huge uh, Phantom Menace apologists. So, I, I, maybe I, the biggest. I don't have a rebuttal to that. Like, I literally can't touch that point. I agree with it too much. So we never would have gotten the delivery of the line, are you an angel? If it weren't for Jingle All the Way. <laughs> it gave us that, if nothing else. Let's try spinning. That's a good move. Oh, God. Yeah, that's Cycli's favorite line. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's working is pretty up there. It, it's, it's working! <laughs> Fuck. Uh, Can we yeah, just watch Bane a Menace? I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot of ground to stand on with this, other than this is Christmas of the Cranks is one of a bajillion Christmas movies out there, right? But it's only one of like 35, maybe even less, that is consistently on freeform. 
which is we all know that's the uh, Christmas version of FX. It's just readily available. It's yeah. out there. It's it's holding the test of time. That, that's that's arguable. Um, <laughs> I think here where a couple categories ago I gave the advantage to Banner because the story was a little more, uh, you know, uh, most people can relate to that, especially on the holidays with family and, and Jingle All the Way is constrained to its era. That's also what's made Jingle All the Way more have have more of an impact. Obviously, the Jake Lloyd's like we just talked about. I think Jingle All the Way is consistently a more known movie. There's not a lot of Christmas movies like that one. Christmas of the Cranks has, you know, a dime a dozen on the family dynamic Christmas movies. Um, so I think in that situation and the benefit of Joy- Jake Lloyd that uh, I would say to Hornacek, hey, your argument, it's working. It's, it's working. working. It's working. So we're all tied up two to two. Let's go. All right. Last point is rewatchability. Banner, kick it off first. All right. So I think Jeff earlier uh, hit the nail on the head. Jingle All the Way is at best an every other year watch uh, for for most people. And Cycli, you said earlier that you haven't watched this movie in 10 years best sober. sober. Which means you, in order to enjoy this movie, no, every on. other year, you need to be drunk. But on the Bro Four Squad, who are we to not count watching a movie drunk as watching a movie? Uh, that's blasphemy, Banner. Like I gotta try and win any means necessary here. Okay. Disgusting. Uh, then I give you Christmas of the Cranks, which is a much better movie, top to bottom. Maybe not as silly or as ridiculous. Uh, but it's a little bit more grounded that keeps it in the rotation for every other year or for every year, as opposed to every other year. And, uh, again, you're probably going to want two or three drinks while you watch this. Just have one with, uh, with Tim Allen throughout the whole thing. So that's really all I got. It's, it's tough when you've never seen the movie to tell you like, look, this is an every year watch. It is. You just got to take my word for it. And my, my word reads a lot. I only cheat if I get caught. Very true. It's tough to say that anything is an every year Christmas watch because I feel like that's such a like there are so many movies on on extremely. It's a large exclusive list. Yeah, that makes any sense. It is. That's why I was I think Jingle All the Way is probably about every other year for me. But the things that I think make it rewatchable. Number one, every time I go back and revisit Sinbad makes me laugh just regardless. Like I was just rewatching it and he's freaking out outside Freaking out outside of the t- the toy store uh, about how his baby mom <laughs> it doesn't even make sense, but he says the mother of his child slept with everyone at the post office except for me. <laughs> doesn't make sense if you have a kid with her. Uh, it's also on Disney Plus now, and I just looked up Christmas with the Cranks. The only way to stream that would be to somehow catch it on Freeform, which I don't have cable, or if you subscribe to Stars, you can watch it that way. Um, but also, Brian, I own the VHS of Jingle All the Way. So <clears throat> if you ever find a time machine and you have a VHS player, I will happily lend it to you. I think I just overall, happen to have one uh, parked in the garage. So, yeah. Do you really? No, I don't have a time machine. Oh, I meant a, yeah, I meant a VHS. <laughs> but yes. Banner what? I would like to borrow that time machine, please. That's obviously in the back, back shed, duh. 
Uh, I just think Jingle All the Way is funnier. So I think it, it is a little bit more rewatchable than Christmas with the Cranks. And let's be honest, if you're going to rewatch a Tim Allen Christmas movie, and I hate to keep using this argument, it's not going to be Christmas with the Cranks. No offense to that film. It's going to be the Santa Claus. But Christmas right. with the Cranks didn't make two fucking terrible sequels. And new stop while the iron's hot. No. Stop while you're yeah. on top. Not an easy sell for either of you. I think we're talking about, you know, at best B B rated Christmas movies. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not talking about, you know, it's a wonderful life or a Muppets Christmas Carol, things like that. Um, I don't think there's a shame that all of uh, that. These two movies aren't every year Christmas movies. I think that's OK. Um, like you guys said, there's there's so many movies out there that you can rewatch that. Um, I, I'm not going to take it as a negative for either of these movies. Um, it's okay if one of these movies take five or 10 years to rewatch. Um, with that being said, this is a very difficult decision for me. Um, and Banner, you are right. It is difficult without having seen Christmas with the Cranks, but that's not why uh, I'm going to go with Jingle All the Way. The reason I'm going with Jingle All the Way here is I didn't feel like you convinced me from your heart to watch Christmas with the Cranks. It, it felt like you were just telling me, you know, the surface level of it. I didn't feel like you reached deep down and why it was special to you or why it is a year to year Christmas movie. So I, I don't feel any closer to watching it than I did before. Um, I, 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 will, I definitely probably will watch it, but I think Jingle All the Way just has that uh, knowledge that you're going to put it on and, and know it's stupid, but still enjoy it. So I think with rewatchability, I'm going to go with Jingle All the Way here. Banner, I appreciate your time. Jingle All the Way wins. I knew I had to get the first three three categories if I was going to win this. And as soon as I lost cast, which is completely fucking ridiculous. No, it factors Are you saying in my win judgment the movie. is ridiculous? Yeah. It's, You're going after Arnold an, Schwarzenegger and Phil Hartman and Simbad and Jake Lloyd. Bro, get the fuck out. In the mid-90s? Yeah, dude. <laughs> and Jim Belushi. I don't know. I'm sorry. I was just looking at longevity of actual good actors. I don't know. Not, okay. not not a Simbad that was like, yeah, he was kind of hot. Wait, had- who's the longevity on Christmas with the Cranks? Jamie Lee Curtis, Dan Aykroyd. She's only in like two. Name Halloween a Jamie Lee Curtis movie that movie. isn't in the Halloween franchise. <laughs> She's in Freaky Friday. Yeah, okay, name a That's... good. Sorry, <laughs> it's it's not even the best version of Freaky Friday. Look, I appreciate the effort, but I, it's it's difficult there. It is difficult. I'm not it saying is. it's not a good cast. It's just. Yeah, you. Uh, you're I think it's also in, has been. Yeah, we need more. We need people that are still relevant, like Jake Busey. He, out of everybody that was named, he was probably on something the most recent that wasn't a Halloween movie. <laughs> I honestly couldn't even uh, tell you what he looks like. J- Jake Busey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, think of Gary Busey. A oh. little bit, little bit uh, stockier, a little bit bigger, and not as like drug. I love how we're describing it when he could just Google Jake Busey. <laughs> no, 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 no. I do not have that. No, no, no. Hang on. Let me say this. There's a mole. Gary Busey's son. <laughs> no, that's a good argument. Like I said, I'll give it a shot, Brian. But uh, but you are in a difficult situation. So Jingle All the Way defeats Christmas with the Cranks by a score of three to two. And I just have to end it by saying to Brian, ta-ta, turtle man. 
Nobody likes you, Booster. Disgusting. All right, on to the second part of our show, which is our protein shake, also known as what is in our cup, or what have we watched lately. I have a lot of things, so I'll just, I'll probably do like half of these. I don't, I don't want to talk too much about each of them, but I do have some big uh, new releases that came out, and then some holiday-centric things. So why don't we just go round robin with one each, and then whenever you guys run out, I'll just stop to mercifully spare the people. Cycle, let's start with you. What have you seen lately? I really don't have much here, so you can carry some of the load uh, just with Thanksgiving and traveling. Um, I finally, and I'm, I don't know if anyone's talked about it on pod yet, but I finally have started uh, Squid Game, uh, like a, a month behind. I know. Uh, I need to get Brian, have you seen this? Society. Yes, I have. I'm, I'm interested to, so you've, you've started it, but you're not done with it. We, I think we're halfway. We're over halfway okay. through. Um, and... You know, we were finished. There were so many shows we had to finish before we could, you know, give that kind of dedication from what we had heard about Squid Game. Um, So far, I'm loving it. I I found it, you know, a really enticing story. The acting's been incredible. I I think I always give credit to things when I'm having to read subtitles and the, the movie or the show can still carry it with with strength of acting and cast because I think sometimes you just forget you're just reading subtitles. You're not really focused on, on how the story is, is being shown to you. One of the best examples and I've talked about it on pod is El Orfanato, the orphanage in a Spanish horror movie. Like that's the only, I was scared during that movie yet. I was reading subtitles. Like that's not easy to do. Um, so I really commend squid game so far on that ability to make it smooth where I don't feel like I'm reading. But at the same time, that makes it difficult to just kind of put on in the background or watch, right? You have to be dedicated for that hour. Or let's say you want to watch a couple episodes, two to three hours of, of literally not getting up to go to the bathroom, heading pause, you know, not looking at your phone because you might miss something important. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that that's it's it's not it's bingeable, but not in the way that we're used to, especially, you know, in the modern era. Um, I will say I don't. I really do enjoy it, but I don't understand why everyone is acting like it's the greatest thing of all time. Um, I mean, you saw it blow up all over the Internet and everyone freaking out about it. Netflix saying it's the biggest show ever, which is probably true. I'm just not entirely sure why it's gotten that kind of reaction. Nothing negative. I just don't feel like I am, you know, witnessing something new like when game of thrones came out let's not talk about the ending but i was like this is something that we as a collective society are like excited about and we're seeing squid game is just really good and i'm really enjoying it so maybe that we'll change was, that when i end that was my opinion of it and this doesn't give anything away uh of after this season i thoroughly enjoyed it it kept my attention uh, especially being something that was a, a foreign show to me and I had to read subtitles. Um, really entertained, really liked it. I agree with you. The acting was phenomenal, but I didn't get it as far as the why was everybody obsessed with it. This was not a Breaking Bad when it was in its heyday or a Dexter in its heyday or Game of Thrones, um, any of those. I, I would put any of those above this. This was just a really solid show. Yeah. Now, with that being said, I can see the potential of this show growing into two, three, four seasons and getting to that level, but it's not there yet, especially after just one season. There was sure. a lot and, of foundation work in this season. 
and I think we're it's funny that we're in like an era where it needs to be this amazing thing. Like every show is trying to be that. There is nothing wrong with just being a really good show. Right. But like, I feel like if you said that about Squid Game on Twitter, like people would tear you apart. Like, I'm like, that's not an insult. Yeah, like, but if you said it was the greatest good. show ever, people would tear you apart on Twitter. So, well, that's for anything. But like, I, I could just say, you know, me and my wife were enjoying it. But like, we're also not like, let's put on the next episode of Squid Game. You know, like immediately. Uh, it was a definite one episode a night situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, if you're a fan of it, uh, uh, listening, I do love it. I, I'm just. It, to me, what I was seeing online, on Reddit, on social media, I was expecting something completely new. And it, it's not. It's just a really good show. But, Brian, you think there's enough? Because I did see it got renewed for a second season. You think there actually is, an, is enough there or it actually will make the show better getting a second season? It's not just them trying to capitalize on the I don't know that cultural phenomenon. It, I don't know that it will make it a better show. But where they left off. I am very intrigued to see where they're going to go with that, which is why I say it has the potential. Now, I agree. I think that this was a, an ending that they said, hey, how is this going to let's see how this is, is getting received before we throw this in there and, and try and get picked up for a second season. I would be completely fine if it just ended with the one season as well. Interesting. It's on my list, but like I've heard both you guys say and a couple of the people, it is not something you like breeze through when you watch it. No, I honestly, I think I was like, we were in the second episode and I felt like I had watched four. Like I was like, wait, we're only on, we only finished two. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not, there, not an insult. That's a, it, there's just a lot going on. I mean, it's, yeah. And it, it keeps your attention. That's for sure. That's good. It's uh what? 10 hour long episodes. I don't even know if it's that many. It's like eight. It's like seven eight. or eight. I think we're so, through four. Am I actually, I think it's nine. I think it's nine episodes. See that? I don't know why. I don't like the odd number. <laughs> it just pissed me off. All right, Brian, what's in your cup? What have you seen? All right. Uh, first thing, real quick. Um, this When this drops, this will probably have already dropped, but I watched the first two se- uh, episodes of Hawkeye. Uh, me and Jeff are, uh, at this point, have not reviewed that, but we will have... Um, so check that review out uh, on my thoughts on that. Uh, just bird's eye, thousand foot view. Really, really liked it. Loved where they picked up um, and intrigued on where they're going. Uh, next thing, thing I actually have a little bit to say about. Guys, I'm a disgusting person. I watched Tiger King season two. You have a family. What is wrong with you? I know. Um, completely, Explain this to them. completely different from the first season. In a this, bad way or a good way? Just different. Um, I think this is this is how I would I would put it. The first season was a cultural phenomenon because it was just this crazy conspiracy theory torn, just nutcase crazy ass story and that it hit came at the at most a, opportune time. And yeah. it hit at the most opportune time. Now they are kind of playing out some of the storylines. Obviously, since the show came out, a lot has happened. There have been new things that have come to light, and they kind of showed some of that. I I think this is kind of turning into Netflix's MO when they do a crazy docuseries like Making a Murderer or Tiger King. The first season reels you in, but they keep enough information back where – People are like, what the fuck? Like, you didn't talk about this. You didn't talk about this. What about this? Let's look at it from different sides. 
Tiger King kind of did the same thing, but honestly, all you need to know about this second season is it just reinforces the fact that big cat people are bat shit fucking crazy. The twists and turns that these stories are taking and getting deeper and, and seeing other stories that are in that uh, roadside zoo world are, it's just like, it's fucking insane. Like it's, it's so insane. It's not believable except for the fact, you know, that it's real. Um, I, I was going to describe it. Cycling, did you, or I guess to both of you guys, did you see like the follow up to season one that Joel McHale did? It was yeah, just like a one off. Yeah, yeah, that was fucking stupid. Well, so what I think, and this is what I was worried about with season two, and I know they added a few characters, but when these people become self aware and they sort of see the show and realize like what it's doing to their lives, I think that just inherently changes the whole dynamic of it because it's like, for lack of a better term, when they're in on the joke, it's, they're they're now a part of it. They're not like an active yeah. participant, in it, and I feel like it affects the way they act. Whereas as before, they didn't realize they were fucking insane, and then they, and they didn't realize themselves. it was going to be what it was. Exactly, and so now that they're like kind of, I don't know, they might be playing up certain aspects of either their personality or their stories because they want it to be sensational in the show. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I wonder, too, I mean, what are what are our thoughts? I mean, maybe you guys have talked about this. Like, do we think Tiger King in the original season would have ever been what it was without the pandemic? Like, not, we, I think do, it would have been, but not as quickly as it did. Dude, people in Oklahoma, you know, would have watched it. Right. This is no, yeah, this is no news story to people like people me that in live that area. Yeah. I literally lived it through the news. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> and so that's my thing is like. I remember when it came out being as someone who knew who Joe Exotic was being like, oh, my God, how did this guy get a documentary? But until the pandemic. And so I wonder, like, kind of like making a murder, like the second documentary season just doesn't do the same thing. Honestly, it's like, why? You know, is this was there really more story that needed to be told that so, needed like, to be told? Absolutely fucking not. Right. So I just don't know, like, you know, they got lucky with the pandemic, right? Like, I don't know that people need this. I think, I think, Jeff, you kind of hit the nail on the head. You said, you know, these people kind of be, they see what Tiger King is and they become part of the joke and they uh, accentuate some of their personality traits and stuff. I think that happened a lot between the two seasons and the second season actually shows the fallout of that. Some of these people thought they were invincible because they were in Tiger King. Some of the people that weren't barely in the first season and they had really added their entire story to the second season, you can tell that they they got those big heads and they realized that they weren't invincible by the end. You can kind of see the downfall and the crash and the the outcome and the um, the fallout of of t- the first season of Tiger King essentially. Yeah, which is kind of—it's just a crazy concept to even think about. And that yeah. show is shows like that make me realize how much of a—I mean, I know that all the time, but when you see it, like we really live in a bubble. Like I don't know anyone like this in person, but these people exist in droves as well. <laughs> there, there are lots of them out there, which is just insane. Um, Honestly, after watching this, my neighbor might have a fucking tiger in his backyard, and I would never know. 
Well, in the city you live in, you can only have like six chickens, no more than that. So hopefully there's some tiger rules. No, just chickens. Yeah. You're actually allowed to have eight tigers. It's weird. <laughs> the cycle, you need to help pass some tiger legislation. Yeah, I'm, I'm moving back, man. Artist law to pass. Um, all right. I watched on Cycle's recommendation and pretty much all of Earth's um, Ted Lasso season one and two. And I got to say, we're talking about how Squid Game is sort of more of an arduous watch. This thing I just powered through. It's, I think, 10 episodes each season. Very the short. Like 12, I think. It, it yeah, is they like gave that. it. Yeah. And the second episode, there was a bigger disparity in episode length. Like some would be like 30 minutes. Others would be like 54 minutes, which I actually think is kind of one of the cool parts of these uh, streaming service original sh- shows, excuse me, or series. Is that they can just be like, Dude, I don't, we don't fucking care. Make a 55-minute episode. Yeah, make if I 30... need more time, give me more time. Yeah, make a 32-minute episode. Like, we're not trying to squeeze in commercials. If people like it, they'll watch it. Um, and I don't want to spoil anything, because this is a show that, especially in the second season, man, some characters really go places you are not expecting them to go. But it's a show that, uh, I think, as Cycle's always said, you don't have to be a big uh, soccer or football, as they, as it is properly called, fan to get into the show because there is a heart to this that is just not something you see in a lot of the television that we're watching today um and there's an earnestness to this show and it's just i think it's being written about like these characters are just characters you don't see in tv unfortunately much anymore and that's what made it so enjoyable and just basically like addicting like you just you get so invested in these characters that you just have to see what happens to them next and they're very unique characters too which is interesting also cycling is there a term for people that just like love british culture because i think i'm one of those people i absolutely yeah anglophile bro is that what it's called yeah. <laughs> not not really that's just someone who like you know is is situated with british but no I, i'm the same way i've always liked british humor i know it's not for everybody i like dry just crude sometimes in your face humor and and it, it i don't know i've always enjoyed it like monty python that that's not for everybody you know i i, I don't blame someone for being like oh, i don't like monty python i'm like i get it i do I love it's it, fucking funny i do yeah but no i i think what i love about uh ted lasso is for the most part one we've talked about it on this pod we needed it right now. It's a show the society kind of just absolutely needed with everything in the world going on. And, and two is just like the, you know, there's characters who go off the rails at some points. But like for the most part, it's a it's characters who genuinely like love and support each other. And and, and for the most part, don't have bad intentions. I mean, there are bad intentions being led up in the first season that get negated because everyone loves each other. Like it's a show of support and friendship and community and care. And yeah, you just said it, uh, Jeff, it's, it's just, it's just different from a lot of everything else on TV. Yeah. In all the right ways. Uh, speaking of the opposite type of television, a show that I watched that is a limited series. I think it was nine episodes and it took my wife and I probably four months to get through because it was just so grueling and boring and a waste of great casted actors because there is no story to be told here and that is the hulu limited series based on uh a novel nine perfect strangers have either of you guys heard of this i yeah. haven't heard of it 
my wife watched a couple episodes and I would just like walk in and out of them. Yeah. So Nicole Kidman, uh, Melissa McCarthy, Bobby Cannavale, Luke Evans. Um, oh my gosh, Banner, who plays Zod? Michael Shannon. Shannon. Yeah. So like for a limited series, a really good cast. And I got to tell you, man, they set up a couple twists and like some reveals that are going to happen. And I won't spoil anything, but like nothing happens. And it's just like, where are we going this entire time? I, I want to read the book because my wife did read it and she said they basically took every single plot element of the book and changed it to the point where I'm like, are we just like using this IP to get people to come and watch this? Cause it say, so like, it has the same name and that's it? Right, basically. The concept is nine, uh, again, they are strangers, end up at this um, sort of like hippie uh, psychological retreat to overcome some sort of trauma. They each have a different trauma that they're going there to heal, whether it's like loss of a loved one or a really bad divorce or one of them was catfished by someone they thought they were in love with. There's another couple like staving off divorce. And they all go there, and Nicole Kidman is this eccentric leader of the retreat who you don't really know if you can trust. You don't know what she's being honest about. And it just really turns out that no one's actually that interesting, and there's really not that much going on beneath the surface. And I wasted about nine hours watching it. So I, I, I can't say I experienced what you did, but every time I just watched a scene, I did watch like the first episode. I just was like, I don't even, what is this for? I think. Exactly. I, 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 <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's, it just seemed Mike, like a lot of like big actors who just wanted to see themselves on a, I don't know, on the same show. Yeah, I agree. It was just really bizarre. Um, although Bobby Cannavale's character is kind of interesting. He plays uh, a former NFL player who like blew out his knee and he kind of got addicted to opioids. And he was a tight end and he talks shit about Gronk a lot of the show because he's like, fuck Gronk. I was Gronk before Gronk. That's hilarious. Like, yeah, like the flamboyant, uh, like over-the-top pass-catching tight end. Um, let me see. Let me mention one more thing before I turn it back over to Cycli. I saw uh, Injustice. Brian, this was the DC animated movie based on the comics and the video game series where Superman kind of goes insane. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. But... Oh, man, I had really high hopes for this. It was fine, but I think... Much better than The Killing Joke, but I think the issue is this, it was not long enough, man. There's so much that happens in the comics and, like, the the gradual decline of Superman's psyche and, like, how it affects all the other members of the Justice League. And there's so many characters sprawled across this thing that to tell it in, like, 50 minutes is just really hard to do. And also, if and when you do go watch it, there is a, I even hesitate to call it a subplot because it's a pretty big part of the show that involves Nightwing that I just thought was so bad and just way out of place in this movie. Really? Uh, but I kind of want to get your thoughts on it. So yeah. in, Injustice, didn't hate, wasn't great. Put it that way. Cycle, mm. you got anything else? I got, like, you know, I I had a... You guys had a really good night last night. I, I had a rough night last night, and uh, I put on a movie that always, you know, it's definitely going to be in my top 100 uh, much later on, but the movie that always cheers me up, but I put on A Knight's Tale. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't know what it is about this movie, but I remember seeing it when I was, like, in eighth grade, 
and I, I don't know if like the new generation has seen this movie or not, but this movie is absolutely fantastic, right? Like, I mean, it, for no reason, it has no right being as good at as, as it is. Um, actually, the movie starts and you don't even know if it knows what it's going to be. It, you're, it's playing classic rock, but it's set in like, you know, in medieval times. And you're like, what is happening in this movie? And then all of a sudden the movie like turns like super emotional at the end. And there's so like this like really strong score. And, and it's just funny like the movie really doesn't make sense on the surface when you break it down like that. But when you watch it, it's it's such a wholesome, just happy movie. It, 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 the comedy is brilliant. Um, the acting is fantastic. Obviously, Heath Ledger, before we knew the legend of Heath Ledger, I mean, this was still pretty early on in his career. He had done a lot of stuff, but nothing major yet. Um, he was still kind of like heartthrob is what he was Yeah, like as. he had done 10 Things I Hate About You, and there was like, you know, stuff. But this was like before Brokeback Mountain, I think, and, and you know, obviously before uh, The Joker. But... I don't know, like, if you really haven't seen this movie, you know, to my generation, I'd be like, oh, yeah, everyone's seen it, but I'm not sure. But if you haven't, go watch this movie. It, it absolutely stands up, uh, stands out. Like, it still holds up. It, it just will literally make you laugh. It has enough emotion to carry it. And uh, and I don't know. I think I will always have a special place in my heart. I'll go down with a bigger breakdown when I go in my top 100 later, uh, you know, much later this year. But just just an overall happy movie that helped cheer me up briefly until until the day. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but Paul Bettany and Alan Tudyk also great yeah. side characters in this as well. Alan Perfect Tudyk side, great yeah. everything. Yeah, Jeffrey Chaucer, the writer. <laughs> it's just there's like I just have this image of him always having this perplexed look on his face <laughs> throughout the film. Uh, uh, and, okay. No, go ahead. Oh, and I was going to say my last one is, is really simple. It's just um, Netflix added Seinfeld about a month ago. And and mm. it's it, I mean, there's talk. Of, I mean, we, you you and I broke this broke Seinfeld down. We did a comparison with How I Met Your Mother. I'm sure I've mentioned Seinfeld plenty of times. But now that it's available on Netflix, dear God, like what have they done? <laughs> um, and I completely has filled more than the void the office leaving has ever, you know, filled. So. The, the Seinfeld is amazing to have in the background anytime. It's also amazing to have when you just want to kill like 20 minutes. The show, while it is very a moment of its era, still holds up completely today. Like even though that so many of the gags about technology and, and the what life was like in the mid 90s. But I, I, it's funny. I'm on I'm on Reddit all the time. I'm I'm on the Seinfeld Reddit. A whole new generation of people are watching Seinfeld for the first time. And it's amazing oh, cool. to see how many people are commenting, being like, this is my first time watching Seinfeld. Holy shit, it's incredible. I didn't realize it was this good. Like, to see people. Good comedy is a matter of the air. Uh, so if you ever watch Seinfeld and you've just been like, you've heard about my God, it's so iconic. It's and just restart it all. I think the thing about Seinfeld is the 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 characters are very like it was sort of like the sitcom trope. I, it still kind of is, but like of the '90s was to have characters that are so outlandish that like that sometimes I, that I worry about like a younger generation latching onto it because like. Do you really know anyone like Kramer or George? Probably not, but they're still just great. To if you don't know anybody with. like that, you're probably them. 
that's your that's thing story. about George. Yeah. And, and I'll say this, like, uh, Michael Richards and, you know, his, you know, we can talk about it, not his personal side, but the acting he is, his, his comedy, his physical comedy is unparalleled. I mean, like, it is absolutely insane uh, that he was actually the most serious actor on set. He hated when they had to redo a take because his physical acting was so, you know, you know, thought out that it was really hard to duplicate. And so it's really funny to see like that he Kramer, the most aloof character is, is just that serious. And, and of course, you know, George is Larry David. So Larry David, obviously like a lot of the experiences is what George or Larry David did in real life. So that's always fun. Interesting. I, yeah, the, the Michael Richards situation is a very kind of a, maybe sad is the right word, but uh, I think it's it's another one of the reasons why maybe I haven't gone back and revisited the show as much as I should. But uh, yeah, it's a classic for sure. And I, it's weird because I think it's also on Hulu. At least it was pretty recently. I don't it know. was on Hulu, but yeah, it's it's now on Netflix. Now on Netflix. Okay, cool. But no commercials. That's a nice part. Yes, which the Hulu commercials, the volume goes from like whatever you have it on to eight thousand. So fucking annoying. All right, Brian. What about you? What else is in your cup? Uh, last thing I'm going to talk about is um, the new season of Dexter called Dexter New Blood uh, came out on Showtime. And the first episode I wasn't sold on. I'm not going to lie, guys. This was it's Dexter, but they're trying to do something new with it. And I'm like, I don't know about all this. Second episode, third episode, they're starting to they're starting to reel me in a little bit. Definitely is not. The Dexter that we remember uh, from, what was that? It ended like 2012, maybe 2013 when it ended. Um, it's not this, that same Dexter, but there's enough of that that it still has that general feel. Um, if they end up going the direction that I think they're going to start going in, watch out. This could be a fantastic resurgence of this, of a, of a good of a good show. I'm so, so I, excited. I stopped watching after the Trinity Killer season based on some advice that my friends had given me. I think uh, that I, I think that was I, us. Yeah, <laughs> I think that I think that that was a good place to stop. I think that this show kind of had an every other season um, going for it. I think the first season was fine. Second season was really good. Third season didn't really care for it. Fourth season might be the best season of television I've ever seen in my life. The Trinity yeah. Killer. Which uh, was season two, the Jimmy Smith season? That was three. See, I kind of like that season, too. Really? I, 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 I like all four. I, I can rank the top four, but in general, the top the first four seasons are just 100%. fantastic. I thought um, other than the very end end scene, I thought the last season was really good at kind of summing everything up. With that being said, how it ended, I didn't like it. How it ended. Now, I'm recanting that and saying jury's still out. Depending on how this show goes, I will reassess how I thought that ended. As a big Dexter fan, I've been I've been really excited about this because the creator of the I think it was the writer and the showrunner of the first four seasons who left after four are both back for this. Yes, it's like all the original writers and creators. And they're like, let's fix what we they fucked up kind of thing. And so I, I, I'm not sure. I haven't started it. I'm kind of being 
I'm purposely staying away from any articles about it um, in terms of, uh, you know, spoilers. I think I'm going to probably start around after the halfway point because I know I'm going to binge the fuck out of it. So, like, I think it's like I said, this feels very Dexter adjacent um, in a good way. And, you know, the the past was always the struggle of he's he's killing these bad guys. Is he going to get caught like he's. He's a bad guy, but he's doing it for the right reasons kind of thing, but he's not. It's a very, very, very weird complex to wrap your head around. In this season now, he hasn't killed, and he's trying to wrap his head around not killing. And so it's a very different – it's a similar struggle in a completely different way. I don't think I describe that or or explain that very well, but – um, Deb I, is his, like ghost, right? Deb essentially is his dark passenger. It's what his dad was in right. the original one. Yeah, it's basically turned to Deb. Uh, very different dynamic with this dark passenger though than he had with the other one. I, I'm excited. That. Even if it's not that great, like even when Dexter wasn't good, it's like I don't mind. Like I said earlier, like it's okay if something isn't the greatest thing I've ever seen. You know, like, I'm excited to just kind of go back into that world and veg out. Like, it's like pizza, man. Even yeah. bad pizza is still fucking pizza. Right. Except if it's the end of Game of Thrones, then it's shit. That is the one exception. <laughs> that sucks. All right. Anything else, Brian? That's all I got. All right. I'll say this one real quick. Uh, we all did a movie commentary on the Disney Plus original Home Sweet Home Alone. So go check that out. It's on all of our. Uh, and Jeff thought it was Oscar worthy. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> Highest ratings uh, of the four of us. I was going back and re-listening to it. And man, I had some hot takes on that one. Huh? You really did. Yeah. Anything you guys want to tease to sort of sell it to people why they should listen to it and watch the film with us. I mean, it's a Bro 4 Squad world famous commentary. Why would you That's not true. watch it? It's it everything itself, you don't think the movie's going to be. It is everything you think the movie is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> is And I will say this. It, it, there was four of us on it. Uh, Am I wrong about that description, though? No, you're not. That's pretty That's pretty accurate. It's pretty um, and, I, and Brian, I know you weren't able to be on this one with us, but have we ever done a, a blind movie commentary where all four people on it have never seen the film before? We did Christmas Chronicles 2, but there was only three of that's us. That's right. And we knew a similar situation. We kind of knew what it was going to be and uh, going in and it it delivered exactly what we thought it was going to be. Which, Christmas. for the record, Christmas Chronicles 2. Uh, let me verify this, but I believe it is my worst thing. ranked movie that I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Yeah. On my list, I have it at. Number 1,036 out of 1,047 movies. So it's mine is uh, 1,025 out of 1,026. Holy shit! What's the one below it? I have to ask. Suburbicon. Oh yeah. <laughs> I fucking really oh, I got this con so bad into seeing that piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Home Sweet Home Alone, go check that out. And then the last thing that I will mention, I guess, because I've, I've seen a lot of new stuff, um, is a movie that, uh, cycling I think you should check out. 
It's called The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Um, it was directed by and stars a guy named Jim Cummings, who I haven't heard of, but apparently he's like sort of a there's like a cult following with this uh, guy. Oh, you don't know like, Jimmy Boy? I don't. People, no, you're friends with him. Okay. Uh, the premise is he is a, an alcoholic. It's sort of a dark horror comedy. He's an alcoholic uh, police chief, or I guess sheriff, in a town called Snow Hollow. Um, and it's kind of similar to Jaws in the sense that, like, it's ski season. People are coming up to ski there. And this werewolf, a, a, a believed to be a werewolf, is going around and killing people. And so it is up to this alcoholic sheriff to figure out, is this a werewolf or is this a person trying to make us think it's a werewolf? And when can I crack open another beer? And how do we get people to not fucking panic? And I do kind of love that there are some effects in it that they use as part of the horror, like blood and like a limb being like torn apart. And they don't they it's not the best effects. And they use that as part of the gag, like <laughs> the people's reactions and the way that they show things. But also, what did you see this the sounds awesome. scary. Uh, I saw it illegally. Got it from your library. Got it. See, my I got it from the library. It yeah. fell off See, the truck. Mind, like, yeah, a lot of trucks passing by where I'm at. So you might have to do the old, um, yeah, two ninety nine rental on Amazon. Uh, but the the reason I think Cycle will like it, short runtime and the last five minutes, nice little uh, bow that they put on this thing. Ooh, kind of a what twisty the fuck twist, moment. maybe. A little twisty twist, if you will. Ooh. And it says called the the Wolf of Snow Hollow. If only either of you had made a sale like that on the Christmas of the Cranks or the Jingle all the way. I didn't have the product to sell like that, man. Yeah, you try selling Christmas with the Cranks. (laughs) Okay, I'll watch it. I'll sell it. Jesus. All right, Brian, is there a bird over there with you? No. I got my cat, though. is do you even lift bra which is the end of our show our question and answer segment and today we are continuing the question of what is each bro's list of their top 100 movies of all time our own personalized top 100 list not the greatest movies of all time in terms of a top 100 but our favorites and we continue our countdown today cycle will count down his 88 87, 86, and 85, and then Banner, if you're prepared, we'll each just do our number 85 movies, because that's where we're at with our lists. Cycle, oh, well, you I already were... talked about Avatar? I don't remember that. <laughs> no. That's 86. Your 86 was War for the Planet of the Apes. What was 87? <laughs> Star Wars The Clone Wars. Okay, keep going up. Indiana Jones <laughs> and the Last Crusade. Keep going movie. up. Ocean's Eleven is 89. Nope. Big, Big Hero that's... 6 is 90. He just wants something. to hear his movies again. I the I can share the list with you if you He's want. Keeping well, no, I'm task. looking at my list, and so I don't know. Where, like, I fucked up somewhere. Do we have to do this on pod? I'll count down your whole list from 100 down right now. The people want to know. Maybe. Right, 100, Kingsman Secret Service. 99, Mag 7, 2016. 
98 Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Can't believe that's on your list. (laughs) 97 is Game Night. 96 is The Incredible Hulk from 08. Oh, I figured out what happened. I figured out what happened. What would you do? Don't worry about it. I may or may not (laughs) have had a blank box higher up. What? We're good. Damn it. We're good. I had two 37s. It's fine. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) I have two 37s. Sorry for that little behind-the-scenes peek at the Bro 4 Squad, folks. Uh, Cycle, you were up to number 88, and your number 89 was the 1978 John Carpenter classic Halloween. So what is your number 88? A very similar, similar movie um, coming up in 88. Uh, And and please, Jeff, don't be mad at me for this. This is a compliment. Um, It's a goofy movie. I have six movies in the Disney genre uh, in my top 100. And Goofy Movie is on the list. I, I know it's one of your favorites. I'm not sure where it is on your list. But, um, you know, for again, I've said this every single time I go down this list. To be on this area is such a compliment. It is not easy. Uh, I love, I love a Goofy Movie. I think I had seen it before you and I became close. But I don't think I appreciate it as much until you and I really watch this movie, like, all the time. Um it has a lot of themes that like really resonate with you more as you get older, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like it's funny when you look, you still watch it back when we were in school and align with Max, and now we're at an age where like, dude, Goofy was just being a dad who wanted to be involved with his son's life, didn't do anything crazy, just just wanted to make sure he his son was in a good position and and all that kind of thing, and obviously. You know, like the friendships, the the family, it, it just has everything that makes a Disney movie good and strong. Um, you know, I think the difference is why it doesn't, you know, why people don't probably don't bring it up as much as the, the classics is, you know, it doesn't have the the musical, you know, the the the, the overall songs that that you know carried what but Disney was known for in the '90s. Um, Goofy, you know, we don't have princesses and princes. Uh, the focus was on Goofy, who, you know, himself is not really, you know, he's more of a caricature than a focal point of Disney allure. So, uh, but in general, I think this movie has 100% held up the test of time. Um, I think it's better than a lot of great Disney movies. Um, and and just in general, like, it does have more emotion. Like, the comedy is good, but there is this, there is a deep connection and emotion to how you feel, especially as, like, a as a male, you know, this movie is more about male yes. bonding and, and we've all been through puberty and having crushes on girls and feeling awkward, embarrassed by your parents. And now being at a little older, just seeing the genuine side of, of care. So goofy movie at 88. Yeah, yeah. I agree with all that. There's a lot more to it than just goofy crashing into stuff, which is what makes it work so well. What makes a good kids um, movie is that adults get a ton out of it as well. Yeah. If you make a kids movie that you can, the kids like when they're three, four, five years old, but a parent that's, you know, whether they're 18, having a, kid, a young, you know, young themselves having a kid, 30 or 40 having a, a child later in life, this movie can resonate with all of them and they can all enjoy it, watching it at the same time in the same room. And that's why the Disney classics stand out over most kids. Even Disney, there's other Disney movies that I'm yep. comparing it to. All of those movies that are elite 
are literally for everyone that you can watch as an eight year old or 30, you know, like you said, like these movies will always be good. Uh, they don't get old. Uh, yeah. So, and I know if anything, we appreciate Jeff, it more. It's a, it's a big, big place in your heart. Yes, it will. Uh, it is definitely my list. Well, not, not for a while. I'll put it that way. Uh, what is your number 87 movie of all time? <laughs> I always love these lists because, like, every time I go to the next movie, it's always something so completely different. Like, yeah. it w- it's really hard to compartmentalize how this is. But I'm going with What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Uh, great fucking movie. Fucking great movie. Like, Such I don't know how Leo movie. does. Like, you know, it's very early Leo. How um, did he not win for that? I, the, the, I mean, there's always, like, the thing, like, when Leo final. Year. You know, everyone always talks about, like, Leo finally got his Oscar. Like, right, he got the Oscar for the movie that he, the Revenant, like, that was probably the not the strongest of his acting ability. Like, it was fine. There's been a thousand other movies that he's done that are just w- more well-deserving. So He was better in Titanic than he was in Revenant. He's better in everything. Like, Revenant is just, it's good, but, I mean, anyway. It was like a Lifetime Achievement Award, really. Yeah, so, it, it yes. is. It's, yeah. <laughs> It's uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape and Johnny Depp before Johnny Depp became what we know Johnny Depp for, right? Like he's he's like actually this is when he cared. Yeah, really, right? Like he hasn't become this trope. Um, I remember being really young watching it, and it's pretty heavy, right? Like it, it's a very oh, it's yeah. not like it's not a very happy movie. It, it is very dark. It's about a family and, and I don't remember what state in a very rural area. The mom is extremely obese. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio plays a, you know, mentally challenged character. Johnny Depp is like the son who's trying to deal with growing up, but also taking care of the family because the mom can't, and the dad's out of the picture. Um, but I think it was one of the earlier movies that I remember being like, Hey, this is good. And it's supposed to be good because it's artistic and well acted and well written. Um, and, I think, again, it does hold up completely. I think it shows how Leo is the greatest actor in our generation. I mean, it's been nothing but consistent success from him. And I think it was it's amazing that how many people we've seen at his age back in the 80s and 90s who were supposed to be amazing and then just panned out or went off the rails. Like Leo has been just incredible. He stayed out of trouble for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. And like. So I look at this movie as, one, how did he not win an Oscar? When you watch this, you will be like, he, he deserves it. And two, um, just really iconic for both his character and, and, and Johnny Depp. And also the mom who plays the you know obese woman. Unfortunately, I don't think she was actually an actress. Like they, She got this role kind of because of her physical situation. And when she died a few years ago, Leo was very emotional. I guess they had always kept in contact they wrote letters to each other he called he called her as like his first movie mom um so it was really cool to see that like you know she had an impact on him oh wow even though she wasn't like this actress so um go watch what's eating gilbert great assuming that leo would have been up for best supporting actor in 93 they gave it to gene hackman at the oscars for unforgiven so mm. Was he was he nominated? Was Leo nominated? Uh, I'm not sure. Sorry, I just X'd out. Oh, you're good. I mean, should have been. I'm yeah. sure he was, right? He had to have been. I mean, back then there might have been, you know, one of those weird unwritten rules where the Academy's like, can't give it to any fucking youngster on his first right. try. And it's like, yep. dude, if he's the best actor, give it to him. All right, Cycle, what's your number 86 oh. movie of all time? 
All right, I'm going with another, um, I think it was 2000 that this came out. It's Memento, um, Christopher Nolan movie before Christopher Nolan. Like, you know, he's always been, we know him from Inception. We know him from, uh, you know, the Batman movies. But uh, Memento is really my first introduction into how Christopher Nolan makes movies. Um, obviously, this guy, Richie, who I don't think really has done much, at least recently, but was pretty big back then. And if you don't know Memento, I don't think it's a, a highly talked about movie in general. But the concept is this a guy who has basically amnesia. He has absolutely no memory of events, but he's he's realizing he was attacked and his wife was killed. And he's almost working backwards like the movie is almost half backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, it's, it's, it's a crazy twist. It's, it's just, it's very Christopher Nolan early on. Um, and, and the movie is just really iconic for this way. It's extremely unique. It's really well acted and it's very dark. And, uh, you know, at the end of it, there's a little twisty twist, um, of course, when you're dealing with Christopher Nolan, but I really think it, it, it should be talked about more in terms of why, how Christopher Nolan is the way he is. Like he, I understand why he got as big as he did because this movie really set him off and, and separated himself compared to other filmmakers. Um, so yeah, Memento 2000 Guy Ritchie. Uh, so Guy Pierce, I just saw him in mayor of East town. Um, he'll pop up in like, he's just such a good actor. He'll pop up in a bunch of stuff yeah, around like, I this just... time. Uh, I was gonna say around this time he was in like, Count of Monte Cristo, maybe would have been something people would have seen him in. But I do yeah. have to say, going back looking at Nolan's filmography, this was, um, I guess, the beginning of his like a maybe obsession is a strong word, but this fascination he has with time. Yeah, and how absolutely. It, and it's not like big all the enough. different ways to play with it. Yeah, okay. it's not big enough that this movie is very raw. It, it's it's yes. it's not high, you know, it's not a Christopher Nolan high budget movie. This movie is very gritty and dark and and again uh if you like that kind of thing then this is the movie for you and carrie ann moss who plays trinity is in a man there is one scene with her if you know the scene i'm talking this isn't a spoiler where she's in the car and she just gives a look and it's just like chilling to the bone um yeah memento great one and i'm with you i think that was the first time that i had heard of nolan at all yeah Honestly, right, I down it would be such a weird movie. He wouldn't make it like, you know, like sometimes very it's too abstract. Hollywood's like, hey, dude, this is good, but you're creeping us out. So. All right. Last one. Our number 85 films of all time. Banner will go to you first. Number 85 as Avatar. your number 86. Sorry, was War for the Planet of the Apes. My fault. Yeah, I'm glad that you figured that out because I obviously didn't realize that. Uh, 85, Avatar. Look, I know, it's Pocahontas. I get it, all right? But at the time, this was the first 3D movie that I ever saw in theaters. Like, the real D, the real shit that now I can't fucking stand. But that made a big... It changed cinema. Yeah, it did. It was literally the reason that... The technology was the reason that until a couple years ago, this was the most... Uh, or and made the most money in the box office, right? Because of what it did for cinema. And I think that that was arguably probably the first and only time in my lifetime that I was able to experience something that was ex- 
altering to an industry. It it changed how movies are made, right? Yeah. Um. So I think that that, to me, just being such a big part of history holds a good special place in my heart. I also just enjoyed the movie. Um, it, it it wasn't the best movie, no, but is it a retread of, of a common story? Sure, but really, at the end of the day, how many movies aren't? I don't get why the movie all of a sudden gets, you know, it's the biggest box office movie of all time worldwide. Why? I, 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 it's so funny how much people all of a sudden act like it's terrible and they hate it. I think a big part of it is because it was, oh, we're getting a sequel and it's what been 15 years. I don't I think my hot take is the sequels are fake. They're never coming out. They're not a real thing. Right. And I think that that's, that is giving the first movie a being seen in a negative light just because of the sequels are taking so long and rewrites and it's been in development hell, but Hey, no, it's coming out next year that we've heard for five years. Yeah. Well, I feel like every time to distract, they like add another sequel. Now there's five of them. Like what? Just do one. But Banner, I'm glad you put this on here because I think it does kind of legitimize our list as a whole that Avatar is included on one of them. It's just, it's iconic, you know. Yeah. It would just be funny if the biggest grossing movie of all time wasn't on someone's list. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a travesty. All right, my number 85 is the 1996 directorial debut of one Tom Hanks, and that is the movie That Thing You Do, the very catchy uh, movie with the hit song based on the title, uh, about a 1964 rock band that, that makes it big and sort of how they, I would say it's a dramedy, uh, and sort of how they deal with their newfound stardom and how, you know, some of the complications and issues that it brings for some of the members of the band and how they sort of traverse that. It is, I think, just a movie that it's definitely a slice of Americana, right? There's sort of a feel of like uh, the 60s music scene and like, you know, Motown. And uh, it's really akin to like the songs that our, a lot of our parents grew up with. And then uh, just... I think Tom Hanks, obviously directing it is great, but also his character, Mr. White, I really love. Um, and this was, at least for me, first time that I saw Liv Tyler uh, in anything. So mm. a, it was the first movie Charlize Theron was in. Steve Zahn is also in it. Um, Giovanni Ribisi is the uh, the drummer who like gets injured because he's like jumping over. <laughs> uh, what are those like? fucking poles that like tell you to stop parking with your car he like tries to leap over one of those and breaks his arm it's kind of like a setting off point for the plot (laughs) i guess it's a guilty pleasure movie for some but i just i love the music in it i love the concept of i've always been fascinated with like bands that get so famous so quickly and how it's just like such a difficult thing to navigate uh and i think this sort of captures it perfectly so that thing you do i've never seen it i think you'd like it a lot Yeah, actually, two kind of period pieces for me, because my number 86 was Miracle, the movie, of course, about the uh, U.S. Olympic hockey team, and then that thing you do at 85. Uh, All right, Cycli, last one for the the night. What is your number 85 movie of all time? 
I have a few good men. Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson, uh, one of the greatest lawyer movies ever. Um, I won't talk too much because I, I did like four movies about it, but a few good men. Again, just what is there to say? Just fantastic cast, fantastic writing. Um, I mean, one of the most iconic end scenes, just the one back and forth between uh, Tom Cruise and, and Jack Nicholson is just it's just fantastic. I, I don't know what else to say. It's just it's a great movie. Go watch it. It will um, it definitely I don't know. I don't think it won best movie. Did it? Um, I'm not sure how many Academy Awards it did win, yeah. but I, I feel like it's funny. If it didn't win, it's probably one of the best movies to never win. It's a classic. I mean, and of course, it has one of the all-time, if not the yeah, most, most quotable movie line ever. Yeah. I, I, I still, when I negotiate, when I'm on my calls, I literally carry around a baseball bat. And Tom Cruise in the movie does that. And I don't know if I got it from him or not, but it's just... For some reason, and he says in the movie, it helps him think. And and my wife always yeah. makes fun of me. She's like, why is the baseball bat out here? And I'm like, oh, I was on the call. She's like, okay. And I was like, but it really does help me it think. It does. So, yeah. It's also just really bro to be carrying around a, <laughs> <laughs> a baseball bat. Well, I'm walking at home in my underwear on a call for work. Yeah. Yeah. that's And we probably have like a protein shake, an actual protein shake. Yeah. And then bar rescues on the TV in the background. It's the dream. All right. Tank will... top that says sun's out, guns out. <laughs> Doesn't have that. Picturing the tank top with his just that in his underwear on, that was a weird look. <laughs> hey, but it works. They're like, yeah. why can we not be on a Zoom camera, please? Can you just turn off? No, we ha- that's part of it. Okay? Fucking deal with it. All right, guys. For the, the uh, link to our updated top 100 lists for all five members of the Broforce squad, you can find it in the description below. That will do it for episode 167 of our podcast. Before we let the people go, Brian, your closing thoughts and wisdom. Pull over for emergency vehicles, guys. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's the holiday season. You know, don't don't be a dickhead. Yeah. Pull yes. over. If there's ever a reason to not be a dickhead, it's the holidays. Cycli, how about you? Any advice? Well, really quick, I saw a guy who literally didn't care to get over for an emergency vehicle yesterday on my drive back uh, from Disgusting. Thanksgiving and I gave him a big goal, the bird. So I thought Fuck of you. That asshole. Yeah, it was, I was pissed. Uh, my, my, my one thing is, it, you know, sometimes sports can be really difficult and just, if you're, if your buddy's having a tough sports day, give him a hug, just give him a big hug. You yeah. know, it's not We've easy. We've all been there. And if you definitely don't rub it in his face. Yeah. I mean, only some people can rub it in their face. What goes around comes around, (laughs) as Justin Timberlake says. All right, for uh, our legal counsel, Ronnie Cycli, and the mad scientist, Brian Banner, I'm the mayor, Jeff Hornacek, and we are the Bro4Squad podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Follow us on Twitter at Bro4Squad. Type in Bro4Squad as three separate words on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, anywhere you uh, subscribe to podcasts, you will find us there. And check out everything we do on our website, Row4squad.com. Till next time. I love how the bird is just never going to go out of style. It's always be a kid. You're the kids. You're the kids. You're the teacher. They will. Starting Monday.